Welcome to the first podcast shot entirely in VR. This is Elevated Studios. Today is the creator, well, the developer of the Top Golf app within Oculus. And uh, before he created the Top Golf app in Oculus, he has a company called Golf Scope that actually it, it lays over a green and shows you how to putt. Um, he has actually a very long tech background, uh, but we might as well bring him on up and kind of walk through all that with him. So if you guys want to welcome Ryan Engel to the stage. <clears throat> Let's go. Should be good. There he is. <laughs> Come on up, man. What's up, Brian? Sit down. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, Ryan. Glad to have you. So the other day, yeah, good to be here. We we noticed you had a oh, nice. you had an ace on your on your full course beta. Oh, oh, the oh, drop. <laughs> Should Party be able to foul. grab it. There we go. <laughs> but no, no. We'll put those on your tab. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the <laughs> But yeah, so just to start off, we'll just kind of go through your background a little bit. Um, I saw, just based off your LinkedIn, went to Virginia Tech uh, studying some tech. And uh, from there, you've kind of had a very uh, just entrepreneur-based life since then. It looked like you maybe had a career here or there, but always been trying to start your own thing and get your feet on the ground and get lifted off. And now you're here. So <laughs> yeah, well, you want to give us I a little bit of a background much... on, on everything? Sure, pretty much sums it up. So yeah, I went to, uh, went to Virginia Tech. Uh, before that, I started playing golf when I was 11. I was living in South Africa with my parents, and uh, I was bored one Sunday. My dad was going to play, and I, I bugged him until he let me come with him. He said, you can you can come <laughs> play with me, but if I tell you to pick up the ball and, and keep moving, then that's what we're going to do. And uh, I never had to pick up the ball because I, I kept the pace going. I think my best score is probably like a 10 on the, you know, on whatever hole. Um, but at that point I was addicted. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I get to hang out with my dad and his friends and they treat me like an adult and we're out in nature and the weather's perfect. And I get to like swing and hit this golf ball, you know, as hard as I can. Um, yeah. and then computers were also like, I'd say, you know, kind of a huge thing for me. Uh, living in South Africa, I was like 45 minutes from my closest friends. So I couldn't just walk over to my friend's house. Like everything required a ton of coordination. And so when I was at home, it was like video games and computers were pretty much, you know, pretty much it. And, um, you know, got into that, got into programming. My high school had computer science classes. So about age 13, I started writing code, kept playing golf, nice. went to Virginia Tech, got my computer science degree. And then my last year at Virginia Tech, uh, there was a graduate program or a graduate class that was on virtual environments. And this was like 2007. 
so they had you know this like multi-million dollar kind of vr equipment they had these headsets that were like you know pre-dk1 that weighed like 30 pounds and had this whole system to like <laughs> strap it to the ceiling so that you could get in there i think it was still just three doff uh and then they had something called a cave which was this like it's this room that's like 10 by 10 by 10 and they project onto every single wall so you're inside the room and it's being projected on and you wear these glasses that let you see something different out of each eye so the cool thing about it is wow. you can actually see your hands because these glasses are like sunglasses like you can see through them so you can see That's your hands you can see your feet you can see your body but you also see vr on all the walls in front of you and you can move around and interact and it's like very similar to kind of you know room scale vr today uh so i yeah. i took that class was like this is amazing but head mounted displays are terrible i mean they're ridiculously expensive and the resolution was terrible and just not practical and this cave setup is awesome but obviously people are going to have caves in their house uh you know it's also <laughs> like hundred thousand dollar plus stuff um so it's kind of like okay vr's got you know vr's cool but you know it's going to be a while before it's consumer ready and um and then you know lucky enough my parents moved to austin texas when i was in college and uh i really liked it when i would come to visit uh so i moved to austin ended up getting a job at a mobile game development company uh and this was before okay. the iphone even came like the iphone had an app store this was like 2008. wow so the iphone didn't even have an app store yet uh later that year they launched an app store and lucky for me the studio decided to kind of pivot to go all in on iPhone games. Uh, before that, we were making games for flip phones, right? Like there were actually games for <laughs> oh boy. flip phones. I worked on Big Buck Hunter Pro, the Big Buck Hunter like arcade game for a flip phone, if you can believe it. Um, what? <laughs> it, it, was, it was ridiculous. Uh, but then, yeah, we went in on iPhone, built Big Buck Hunter for iPhone, built a snowboarding game. Unfortunately, that studio uh, <laughs> had some issues management-wise. This was like 2009, so there was also the sort of economic crash, and uh, I got yeah. I got let go of that job before I even hit my first year there, uh, and then was like, all right, well, you know, I'm I'm like 20, 22 or 23. Uh, I've got as much experience building iPhone apps as anybody in the world because the App Store just came out really you know, six months yeah. prior. So I'm just going to build iPhone apps and see if I can find, you know, people that need iPhone apps to be built and uh, try to start that <laughs> business. Turns out the building app stuff I was pretty good at, but the finding people to build apps for part, the marketing essentially and sales, uh, I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to find people that need apps to be built. Uh, but I was able to find a uh, sort of an app development company in Austin called Mutual Mobile uh, that was run by like these five founders that were like 21, 22. They were like a year younger than me. So, you know, these really young people, I was still super young. And uh, they had this company where people were coming to them to get apps developed. So I went to, uh, to interview with them. And the first day I meet one of the founders and he and I just like totally hit it off. And uh, they hire me on the spot. And then, you know, for the next, basically the next few years, I was just like head, heads down, building apps, uh, spending, you know, nights and weekends, like easily 70 hours a week, kind of on average, just like going as hard as I could wow. on, into this stuff. 
And uh, the company yeah. grew from like 10 people when I joined to about 300 people uh, over the next Excellent. few years. Uh, I ended up leaving, going to start a different development, sort of app development company to work on this app called glasses.com where you could use AR to try on virtual glasses. Um, it was founded by the founder of 1-800-CONTACTS. And uh, the app oh, went nice. really well. We launched it at TED in 2013. It got featured by Apple. Uh, I built my sort of app studio to like 12 people. Uh, and then the founder of 1-800-CONTACTS told me he was starting this other company called Wikibuy with the goal of helping people save money when they shop online. So he asked me if I wanted to be the founding engineer of that company. And he, you know, he had started 1-800-CONTACTS from his dorm in 1995. It later sold for <laughs> over a billion dollars. Uh, so I figured the opportunity wow. to work with him, you know, face to face, it's like, you can't pass that up. <laughs> We, we got to kind of hit the clap on that. <laughs> so, so even though, you know, Wikibuy was kind of this e-commerce web company, which frankly wasn't the most interesting thing to me, I was super into AR. The glasses project really opened my eyes to the potential of AR. And, you know, I think the DK1 came out that same year. And I tried it and was like, oh man, okay, HMDs have a future, but DK1 is still pretty rough around the edges. I feel like the AR VR tech is still three to five years out before it's really consumer ready. And again, this was like 2013 or so. So I was like, so I'm going to go do Wikibuy, get a bunch of experience actually, you know, building a startup from scratch from this founder that's, you know, sold his company for a billion dollars. And it's well-funded yeah. and all this stuff. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully by the time I go through this experience, the AR VR market will be a little bit better. Uh, so fast forward, went through the experience, you know, put in kind of four years there. That company, Wikibuy, eventually got bought by Capital One. Um, so it worked out really well for everybody involved. And uh, I left right before the acquisition to go found Golfscope with the purpose of using AR to help people putt better by showing them the contours of the green and the break from the ball to the hole. Uh, so I did that and, uh, and it worked and it got featured by Apple and it was, uh, you know, really cool tech. Some folks are still using it. We actually took it down from the store about a year ago because AR is just a very hard business to, to run uh, unless you're doing yeah. like face filters or uh, you can get a lot of funding, I guess. Um, but it, it's just hard to get people to use it kind of in a, in a utility way. Uh, so yeah. when the quest came out, I was like, oh man, this seems like the VR device that could really take off. I mean, the price point's good. The, the hardware's good. Like this is pretty incredible. Uh, so we yeah. took the tech from the AR app, ported it over into unity to get a version working in VR, which, you know, then became pro putt. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history. We ended up pivoting and focusing entirely on VR, and and that's that's where we plan to focus going forward. Excellent, man. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, so very very extensive background there. Um, it sounds like you kind of hit that first wave at the perfect time, and now once again you're repositioning yourself for this VR wave. So it. I mean, it sounds like you are going to be okay in the next five to 10 years. <laughs> um, but so the past month or so, I came across the Top Golf app. 
Um, also on your Twitter, you have a great Twitter, by the way, for uh, with tips and advice on other developers. Um, but just playing around in the Top Golf app, everything's awesome. Uh, how did that partnership come to be, though? Like, are you truly associated and branded with uh, the Top Golf we use in real life? Yeah, we we are. Um, yeah, same Top Golf company. Uh, we do maintain kind of complete creative control over the entire experience, but we obviously get their feedback and approval for anything that involves their brand and, and you know their side of the experience. So the partnership with them has been has been great. Um, you know, they we launched the app about a year ago, which was like right when you know the pandemic kind of hit or, or within that area. Uh, and obviously Top Golf is, you know, kind of a restaurant, bar, social gathering space. So when COVID hit, that's a pretty, pretty big deal. They had to close all their locations and, uh, and you know, they've, uh, they've really rebounded in an incredible way. It was obviously a very difficult time for them because it's like no one really knew what was going to happen with lockdown and when they'd be able to reopen and, and and when people could come back and when it would be safe and all of that stuff. So they, uh, we've been just really impressed with how, you know, how, um, how well they've interacted with us, given we're kind of this tiny company compared to this, you know, multi-billion dollar brand. Uh, but they've been super supportive, super encouraging. They've made a ton of connections between us and other people in the golf space. And it all started by kind of pure hap happenstance. Uh, when I started golf scope, we're in Austin, they're based in Dallas, so not not too far away. And I happen to have a friend that had a friend that worked at Top Golf. So that friend introduced me. I told him what we were doing at Golf Scope, you know, with the AR tech. Obviously, wasn't a great fit for Top Golf at the time. But the person over there introduced me to one of their sort of heads of partnership. And you know, we we had a good conversation. He said, "Hey, if you're ever doing anything that you think aligns with what we're doing at Top Golf, just reach out." Uh, and, you know, we'd love to stay in contact. What you're doing seems cool. Uh, and, you know, I shared that, you know, I, I go to Topgolf all the time just as a customer. Like, I, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so it was just this very casual intro. And then when we decided to do the Quest thing, uh, Topgolf owns a mobile game company called WGT Golf. And uh, or it's actually called WGT, which is World Golf Tour. And uh, when we did the Quest thing, we reached out and was like, hey, are you guys interested in VR at all? Uh, we've got, you know, our tech running in VR and it's really cool. And, um, they said, you know, we are not doing anything in VR because mobile is such a big market for us. Um, but we know some people at Oculus and they've kind of been bugging us to do something. So if you have something, we'd love to see it. Uh, so we go to see it. It's by pure coincidence. <laughs> Oculus has an office in Dallas because of John Carmack who, you know, used to be their CTO. And the office they have in Dallas is literally the floor under Topgolf's headquarters in the same room. <laughs> so pure coincidence. And that's why that's awesome. Topgolf and Oculus, you know, had, had a lot of conversations. Um, and we showed them what we were doing. And Topgolf's like, look, you know, we're probably not going to do anything in VR directly anytime soon because the market's just not big enough yet. But um, we'd love to see where you take this. So again, by coincidence, we end up continuing with the tech and then Top Golf and then Oculus Connect 6 was coming up like a month and a half after our initial conversation with Top Golf. Someone at Top Golf kind of took an interest in what we were doing 
And they said, hey, we're going to set up a meeting for you at OC6 with some fairly senior people from Facebook slash Oculus. Uh, and we'd love for you to share, you know, whatever you have with them and see if there's any interest. So we get this wow. meeting set up. <laughs> the title of the meeting is like Top Golf and Oculus, you know, has nothing to do with golf scope, nothing. It's not clear at all that we're not even associated with Top Golf. Um, and we go to this <laughs> meeting and basically, you know, the table gets handed over to me to kind of tell Oculus what we're planning on doing. Just so happens that both of the guys in the meeting were golfers, uh, loved golf. We had this pretty awesome demo where you could hold a real putter and hit putts in VR and uh, ended up kind of giving them the presentation on why we think golf is such a good fit for VR, why we think we're the people that can do it. Again, there's kind of this unspoken assumption that this was all sort of under Top Golf's brand. And uh, the, uh, you know, the Facebook Oculus people just like went crazy for it, spent a ton of time in the demo, we're having a blast. And uh, we ended up sort of securing a spot in the Quest store, which, which is not easy to do at the time. I had no idea how hard it was, uh, but we kind of yeah. got in because of, because of the demo and because of Top Golf. And then after we got in, we basically went back to Top Golf. I was like, hey guys, like we're already in the store you know, we might as well partner together now and uh, yeah. you know, take advantage. And, you know, Topgolf was on board and we, we, we struck a deal. Nice. Wow. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, circling, so circling back to the creative side of things and coding and things like that. I know in our audience, we have a lot of creators here in Horizon. And even on our Twitter platform, we have some creators following us. So... Um, what are some of the creation and coding aspects that you used in Topgolf? And could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so I've been, again, I've been writing code, you know, for 23 years now or something like that. Um, and had classes, but mostly self-taught. So for me, when we started this project, I didn't really have any experience with Unity, uh, but it was pretty clear that Unity was what the majority of people were building in. So I figured it would make sense to learn Unity and uh, start there. And, you know, thankfully, it's just these days, there's just so much information out there from tutorials, yes. YouTube videos, you know, walkthroughs, advice on Twitter, everything like that. So, you know, for the first, I'd say, month or two, my goal was not even to think about kind of what the final version of the product was going to look like, but to basically just experiment as much as possible in Unity and take kind of my dev skills from mobile and from web. Uh, I had done quite a bit of sort of OpenGL stuff as well, and just try to understand how that would work in Unity. So it was very sort of, you know, greenfield, just pursue whatever seemed really interesting and, you know, try to understand kind of where some of the boundaries are within VR, but also, you know, what kind of interactions uh, feel really good. And uh, a lot of it was basically just building something that seemed like a really good idea on paper, trying it in VR and realizing that like, oh, it turns out this thing doesn't work. Like... HUDs and VR are kind of terrible, even though on paper and every, you know, every first person shooter game has a HUD on a flat screen, doesn't work in VR. That was one of the first things that we tried. All right, you know, mark that down. This doesn't work. Let's avoid it. 
Um, whereas anything, you know, sort of spatial, like the names over your heads that are completely matched to your 3D position and the fact that no matter how far away the names are, I can read them pretty clearly because they all scale to be about the same. Like the actual font size is kind of the same no matter how far away you are. That makes a lot of sense. Making sure that things are very legible and the right size versus being way too big or way too small in the distance. Stuff like that makes sense. Um, but you know, a lot of it for me really just came down to kind of trial and error. And even today, you know, half the, half the things that I try in VR work and half of them don't work. Um, and frankly, that's kind of the ratio that I personally like to see because that way it forces you to continue to push yourself. If everything that you try works well in VR, then you're not really taking any chances. So I think a lot of it just comes down to like really pushing yourself, you know, just because you haven't seen somebody else do it doesn't mean that it's not possible. And uh, yeah. especially now in VR with, you know, the ecosystem being so small, now is such a good time to just kind of like try whatever you think is going to work because like the rules haven't been written yet. And um, so just, yeah, just going back to like you, 08, it was the iPhone, that ecosystem had to be so small. And now you're in the same boat in VR. Like if you keep pushing the boundaries now, like the, the flood of developers is just going to, probably grow exponentially in this space as well so where they are all gonna have to go through those first steps that you've already been knocking out for the past year or two already so um well sounds like you were in a mixed reality room 15 years ago so like i don't i don't know it's wild how long you've been in this space already um but just going into the top golf app itself like you have the the pro putt course with a lot of different areas to play in um you have the driving range just like a real top golf um in in the real world and i really do love the whole youtube integration with music and just it, it just makes it a lot more lively and um feels real like it's it's awesome you guys have killed that and uh even like kevin and i were in there last week and he would put up music and he could share it with me to where we're watching the same videos it's it's like we're there in person playing um and even uh you had the little chipping game in the bags and you guys have really killed it in there so i just i just wanted to say congrats on that um as as far as the yeah no problem as far as like developing the app what has been the most uh i don't know what's taken the most time or what's been the most difficult for you to nail down yeah i wrote a thread about this on twitter recently and just you know kind of uh posted a couple of our our findings the things that took a lot of time at first and now i feel like we have kind of a better process around um but I'd say there there are a few major differences between like sort of where things are with VR right now and where things were with mobile, even like back in, you know, late 2008. And if you look at mobile in late 2008, it was almost in some ways, it was almost the opposite of what's happening with VR right now, because when you take kind of a desktop application, you know, and the screen's this big, right? And then you condense it down to a screen that's the size of your hand the ability to do things is greatly reduced. 
right? You can't have these really complicated big UIs because they don't fit on the screen. So it kind of forces everything to be simplified and, you know, kind of turned into like a one function experience at first, which means it's possible for a single developer to write one of the most popular apps on the store because they create something really cool that's really simple and it sells for like a dollar. Whereas in VR, <laughs> there's no dollar apps out there for a, re for a good reason. Everything takes way more time to do. It's full 3D. You can look in any possible direction and you have to build an experience that kind of gracefully handles the possibilities out there. And the fact that, you know, users are going to try things, try to do whatever they can because it's this kind of cool open playground. So VR is by far the hardest development experience I've ever had, mostly because you're developing on this 2D screen in the editor and you write code and you you know try to see how it's going to work. And then you put your headset on and you get in there and it's just different. It's completely different, right? Every The things that look good and on flat may not look good. The interactions, like the ability to pick something up you know, hit a rock with it and then get feedback from that. The sound effects, just the visuals, the particle effects, like all of that stuff is just stuff on 2D where like you can kind of get away with doing very little. Um, so the biggest, I think the biggest takeaway for us from day one was like testing it in VR on the headset is just critical. Like don't, don't assume it's going to work just because it looks good in the editor. Get it in the headset, get it working. When we started in VR, there was no Oculus Link. So in order to test it on the headset, you actually had to kick off a build, which you know could take five to <laughs> 10 minutes, get it on the headset, try it out, go back to the drawing board and make whatever tweaks. Uh, Oculus Link was by far, I mean, easily like a 10X time saver for us because now you can make changes in the editor while you've got your headset on and like within seconds kind of test out these little tweaks to, uh, you know, interactions and stuff like that that you can only really do in VR. That being said, one of the first things that we did and something that we still do is invest, the, I'd say 80% of the time, our development time is probably on tooling stuff that as a user you're never even going to see uh so we've got tooling to help us create the courses we've got tooling to help us simulate all the different shot patterns that you could possibly see so that we make sure that when we create a course golf balls aren't all getting stuck in a certain spot or if you are in a certain spot it's not impossible to get out of that spot um so we've got tools where you can kind of put the ball anywhere on the course you know set a set a velocity and within a second, hit 100 shots simultaneously and kind of see the pass of where all those golf balls end up. Um, wow. We've got, you know, tools Excellent. that kind of help us put different colors on the, on the courses so that we can see which spots have too much slope, which spots are too flat. Uh, we've got tools for multiplayer where we can kind of simulate another player playing with us so that we, we know, you know, what happens uh, when it's the next person's turn. What happens if they hit one out of bounds? What happens in these sort of edge case scenarios? Let's make sure that we have tools to simulate every possible scenario so that we're not spending a bunch of time in the headset trying to uh, recreate a very odd thing. We can capture it and replay it and then fix it in the editor to kind of save that time. And then, um, you know, and then a lot of it comes for us, it was 
beta testing was probably the most important thing that we did during development. Uh, from the very mm-hmm. beginning of the app, you know, a year and a half ago, we posted on Reddit, showed some screenshots of kind of where it's at and started collecting emails from people that were interested in testing it and being beta test people. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I think we did well, even though we hadn't done beta testing before, was batching your betas. So kind of, you know, when we went into it, I was under the assumption that maybe we'd have like, you know, two or three iterations of the beta and then it would be good enough. And then, you know, we'd launch it. Of course, I'm under the assumption that the first beta is already awesome. But as soon as you get real <laughs> new players in there, they're all like, I don't understand how this works. This doesn't make sense. Da 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 da. And we ended up going through seven different rounds of betas, like wow. seven beta releases. <laughs> and every time we would do a new beta release, we would add new people. So we'd always add like everybody that was on the last beta to get their feedback and then add at least like 50 new people so that we'd have a fresh perspective with each beta to make sure that we kind of fix some of the issues that were initially really confusing, but over time you learn to understand. So for anybody creating stuff out there, just make sure every time you have a new version of it, you always have new people coming in and giving you brand new feedback because that first time experience is going to leave the biggest impression. And if people get stuck in the first time experience, there's a good chance they're never going to have a second or third time experience, which is where, you know, things may start to really feel polished. Um, so yeah. that, that was a big part of it. And, and then I'd say discord was kind of the last big piece that made a huge difference where we started discord from the very beginning to get that kind of real time feedback from people. Nice. Yeah. So like we have a ton of audience members in here today that pretty much all the names I saw before we came up on stage, they're world creators. Um, Yoda was our first guest. He actually built a world uh, that Facebook essentially hired him to be a general contractor for. He has tons of experience. I know John up there, uh, he just had a world featured in the Facebook Horizon Plaza. So we got some impressive people out there. That's great feedback though. I mean, beta testing, inviting friends, and but like you said, having new people for each batch. Um, and one thing in Horizon that I think crosses over to the Top Golf app as well, uh, there's a user in here who has the most visited world. His name's Sandwich, uh, and he basically created his own physics within Horizon. So I was curious how the physics in Top Golf work. Like, how do you how do you gauge how far a putt goes, or how far the driver versus the wedge versus the iron goes? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like that'd be pretty complicated. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, we we wrote all of the physics in the game. A hundred percent of the golf ball physics are completely, you know, self built. Uh, so it's not using any of you know, uh, the Unity physics system because it just didn't quite line up right for us. Um, The good news is golf is a very well-studied activity and there are a lot of very technical papers out there to explain how a golf ball works, right? Because uh, golf balls kind of have this, they have the dimples on them, right? And that creates, that can have a big impact on kind of how the ball flies through the air and whether it curves and how much spin it has and whether it goes up or down or left or right. 
And, um, you know, thankfully that's all kind of documented stuff. So basically step one was reading through all of these papers to try to understand like what's actually happening to a golf ball at any given point. And then, uh, you know, taking the equations from these papers and translating them over to write in unity so that every single frame, uh, we're calculating what should happen to the golf ball, how much spin is on the golf ball, what the, you know, what the effects wow. are. Um, and, uh, it's, it's something that, I mean, literally right before this call, I'm making continuous tweaks to the physics to kind of account for, for different scenarios that are not necessarily documented or things that just have a lot of variable, you know, v variance to them. Like, uh, if you're on a golf course, where it rained the night before, everything's pretty soft. The ground is soft, right? So if you take right. a golf ball and you throw it into the ground as hard as you can when it's soft, it's going to kind of bounce a little bit and stop. If it's been really dry for a while, you throw it into the ground, that thing might be almost like concrete, and it's just going to bounce and just roll out. So there's a ton of kind of handling those situations and then even having control over what's the dryness of my course, what happens when the ball hits fairway or rough or all these things. Um, so again, that's kind of where tooling comes in. And, and in order to get the putts working, step one was just like, okay, we're just going to do a one-to-one -one translation. So if a putter was actually moving as fast as it is in VR and all the units, you know, are kind of real world units. So if a putter is moving at 20 miles an hour and you hit a golf ball, what should happen in real life? And we kind of started by taking these sort of known values and just making sure that our equations would lead to the same result there. And then we realized that, you know, one of the big issues with VR is you're not actually holding a golf club. So getting your controller to go at 20 miles an hour where I could just, you know, I could just do it with a flick of the wrist is totally different than doing it with a golf club where you actually have to create real force to get the club to move. Yeah. So that's why in all of our games, we have the power bar because different players have different preferences. Some of them like it to be just a complete one-to-one -one match based on the speed of their own movement. Some of them realize that because there's no weight, they kind of tend to go a lot faster. Therefore they want to reduce the power so we have, you know, controls that are obviously not possible in real life uh, that just make a lot of sense in VR. And then, frankly, it all just comes down to, again, beta testing. Since I've been playing golf for, for quite a while, I, you know, I have a feel for what I think is right. Uh, my co-founder's been playing even longer than me. Uh, he's been playing since he was like four. So he's got, you know, he's got a feel for what he thinks is right. And, you know, what we found is that if we can kind of match his feel and match my feel, you know, most people tend to be pretty happy. But then we've got to test it with people that don't play golf whatsoever because they're not going to have that same feel of what it's like to yeah. actually golf. And we want to make sure that we have an experience that's really easy for people that don't play golf to get into as well. Uh, so at the end of the day, you know, we have kind of had to tweak a lot of the physics just to make it feel better or, you know, be a little easier in some situations. Because, you know, you're still playing a game. Like, we want it to feel, we want it to be fun. We don't want, we don't want to make it yeah. super realistic and then make it basically impossible for anybody to play. Just quick question. How many developers do you guys have? Like working on the app at once? Wow. <laughs> Not bad. Um, another, like one of my favorite parts just ties to your golf scope app itself. Like when you uh, just 
are on the green about to putt, just the slope of the green and everything. Like, do you think that's something that can eventually translate into back into augmented reality when there are like I know Snapchat spectacles um, are just sunglasses, kind of like you described yourself wearing back in the day. But like, do you guys plan on um, kind of going back into the AR space when that technology gets more up to speed, I guess? Yeah, I hope so. You know, I think what, what I learned from kind of our mobile experience building the app is like a, a mobile a mobile device is just not that great for AR unless you're doing like face filters because you're looking through this just tiny window, right? Once we have yeah. glasses that kind of give me this field of view very similar to what VR is like, there's no reason that we can't take all this technology and translate it back over. Not only that, it should be a lot more accurate because now, you know, devices are going to have LIDAR sensors. They're going to be able to understand the contours a lot better than from five years ago on a mobile device. So a hundred percent when, you know, when there's a mass market AR consumer device that people are using, we will definitely be bringing our tech back over. And, you know, hopefully when you play a real round of golf, you'll still be using one of our products. I did see in your Twitter feed also, there was the Ready Player Golf charity tournament that Engage, I believe, is putting together here in the next few months. Um, Is that going to be, I know you have the full course beta as well. Um, is, are you guys shooting to have the beta done or are they doing that on the pro putt courses or what do they got in store coming up for that? Yeah, they'll be doing it on the pro putt courses. Uh, they did one about, uh, almost a year ago, maybe nine months ago. Um, the first version of it and, you know, this was still on quest one and everything and, uh, they did a great job. And since that went so well, uh, they're doing another, you know, even bigger version. Every Friday, they have Friday friendlies where you can go join up with people and play rounds of Pro Putt. Oh, nice. So um, nice. this next one will be with Pro Putt. And, you know, hopefully the one after that, assuming this goes well, uh, they can try out full course. Um, but full course won't, you know, we're, we're <clears throat> shooting for like probably a, a November slash holiday release for full course, even though nice. I think where it's at right now is is really solid. Uh, we just sent out beta one, so I'm under the impression that we'll probably get pretty close to that seven number again. Um, and you know, <laughs> we just really want to leave a good first impression on people that try it. So we're gonna we're gonna add as much polish as we can before we push it out. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, and and with that whole like tournament feel, uh, that's just a charity tournament, but something that is just continues to grow and grow would be esports as a whole. And I was in Top Golf the other day, just playing uh, some random people in there, and it was still fun. You just talk to them like you're meeting people in real life, you know. Uh, but do you guys have anything in the works or a vision for any sort of esport tournament? Or like I know uh, there's a VR Masters League where there's actual teams and stuff like that. I didn't know if you guys had anything like that in the pipeline. Yeah, we do. It's actually something that we were kind of hoping to get to before we even released Full Course, but just based on how fast the year's been going and, uh, you know, the <laughs> after you release something live, there's a big sort of maintenance cost. And uh, that's been a learning curve for us to figure out exactly, you know, how much time we need to spend on just maintaining what's already out there. So uh, unfortunately, you know, we're kind of hoping to have tournaments already, a V1 of tournaments already live right now. But the reality is we're going to have to put it on the back burner until we get full course done just because we don't want to risk that release. 
um but tournaments are one of the things that internally it's probably other than full course it's the thing that we're the most excited about and you know i think the good news for us is uh you know golf golf already has tournaments they have at least one tournament every single week they just the british or the the open uh just finished which is like the last major of the year and uh you know they've already got a very specific sort of uh a structure for how tournaments work and who gets into the tournament and what you win and and you know everything like that so our goal is to kind of build something based on how golf already works in real life but obviously edit it a little bit to make it more convenient for VR because it is a different medium. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of the things that I hope uh, our players really like. Our most active players definitely ask about it all the time. And we want to do something that's not, not just <laughs> tournaments, but also kind of like leagues, right? So you can kind of find the group yeah. of people that you want to play with at a similar skill level. So that way we're not just limiting it to the best players in the world. We've got something, you know, for everybody. Yeah. And and do you think that's something players and users can monetize over time? Like, is that something to where there's going to be like a pro league with real money on the line? Or is it just kind of going to be more for fun in the beginning? Or what do you guys have? Um, like, Our what do you guys goal, think around yeah, that aspect I mean, of things? You know, I guess the way that we kind of look at it is if you take golf, for example, there's the sport of golf. And then there's like the PGA Tour right? And the PGA Tour doesn't really control the sport of golf. Golf's been around for a lot longer than the PGA Tour. It's got its own rules. The people who make the rules are actually different than the PGA Tour. Uh, we want to set up our game so that we kind of build the sport out. And then we give tools to people to kind of create the the various leagues and tournaments that they want. We'll obviously have tournaments that, you know, we officially endorse and support and promote, but we want to create kind of an environment where if you want to set up your own third party system and connect your Venmo and kind of, you know, have high state <laughs> games, you can hundred percent do that. Um, I don't think that we'll be directly involved in kind of collecting money for tournaments at first, just because there's a lot that, there's a lot of risk that comes with that. And we don't want to, you know, we don't want to send the the wrong message at, at a, at a high level. Our mission as a company is to grow the game of golf. And, you know, by focusing on tournaments that cost a bunch of money to get into, I don't think that's necessarily the best way to grow it. So we kind of want to start with the ground layer and make sure that we've got something everybody can use, but then give our players the tools to go. If you want a tournament that's got a thousand dollar buy-in and you know, the winner might win <laughs> 10 grand, like, go yeah. for it have at it we are we, we'll have the tech but we're not going to be collecting any money or doing any payouts because that's a completely different type of risk a whole nother um, yeah but yeah no i mean i'm supportive of all sides people playing for fun for free and you know people putting real money behind it because they they feel like they've got what it takes golf uh you know golf golf involves a lot of betting in real life for a lot of people so uh i think that's just kind of a natural fit for for a lot of the people to play yeah i personally i probably shouldn't put any money down kev would have me broke by now <laughs> he beat me like two or three weeks two or three times this week <laughs> but um no i was just it curious what I, I know <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just curious. I know that's a growing uh, just field and gaming as a whole. 
So I was just curious as to what you guys thought about that. Um, but yeah, really, that's pretty much all we got. Uh, what I guess last question would just be like, what's next? That you're working on the full course beta, um, just planning a wide release of that. Uh, but just for the space as a whole, what's your vision for VR and for your company as well? Yeah, well, I'll start with our company because uh, I spent a lot more time thinking about that. Uh, you know, our, our plan is to stay focused on golf and primarily VR golf kind of for the foreseeable future. I think one of the biggest issues with golf as a whole is just convenience and accessibility. You know, it costs a lot of money to buy clubs and takes a lot of time to go play golf. And, and you know, initially when you start golf, very few people are any good at it. So it, there's just all this friction to kind of get to the point where golf is fun. You know, thankfully my co-founder and I have been playing since we were kids. So we're already at the point where we're addicted. And I think if we can kind of lower the barrier, we'll get more people to that point and have them hitting good shots and kind of hopefully they'll take that, you know, experience and then go play the real game. We want people to go outside, play golf. It's a great sport. I think it teaches you a lot of good life lessons about patience and respect and etiquette and things like that. Um, so, you know, we're going to stay focused on VR golf. I believe that in the next 10 to 20 years, we'll see more rounds of VR golf than real golf. Uh, you know, last there are about 25 million people in the United States that play real golf and a hundred million people that watch golf tournaments. I think that, you know, I think that we can beat those numbers. I think that we can create an experience that really lowers, lowers the bar and gets people in. I think top golf is a great partner for us because they're proving that and they, you know, they're already getting close to those numbers just by people going to top golf and being exposed to the sport in a completely different way. So we're huge fans of that. So our, our plan is to stay focused on golf, you know, really make it a, a sport that people can get into, get excited about, go deeper in, and then hopefully eventually bring that knowledge to the course. Um, for VR as a whole, you know, I, I tweeted something yesterday that I just think about a lot. And it's like, I'm, I'm wearing the quest too. I assume you guys probably are too. Um, and it's yep. a great device considering where we were a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, but it's still, you know, it's still not perfectly comfortable. It's this bulky thing. It's got a limited field of view. It's got a limited resolution. I'm limited in my interactions. It can't really, you know, track my face or my mouth perfectly. So there's, there's still quite, there's a ton of friction with this device, right? It is, it is low power. And if we think about where the device is going to be in 10, 20, 50 years, and you kind of look back at where like the first iPhone was or computers were 30 years ago, and you think about, you know, where VR is going to be when you have retina resolution, every little detail is perfect. We can render with like better quality than even like Unreal 5 or PlayStation 5, right? <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty amazing that VR is at the point where it is today, given the constraints of the hardware and how, you know, this experience now is like probably close to like an N64 experience realistically, right? It's like, it's pretty, <laughs> it's very limited. Um, so I get really excited about the idea of VR being used for more than just games, but for utility. And, you know, when I go to work in the morning, instead of sitting in this chair at a computer desk, maybe I'm, you know, laying back in something way more comfortable, way better for my body, wearing this very lightweight device that's, you know, super high resolution, probably has pass-through cameras so I can still see the real world. And I'm able to kind of do my work from literally anywhere in the world, 
have you know infinite screen resolution and uh, browse <laughs> the internet, you know, watch my Netflix movies, communicate with people on my team, and feel like we're kind of right next to each other, and do all these things in a much more seamless way. Uh, and then when I want to take a break, I literally go to one of the most beautiful beaches in the world or one of the best golf courses in the world, play a quick round of nine hole golf with a buddy. <laughs> and it's like, that's, you know, that's the, that for me, that's the ultimate human experience is leveling the playing field, right? It's like, you shouldn't have to be one of the best golfers in the world or one of the richest people in the world to play one of the nicest, most beautiful golf courses in the world in VR there's no reason we can't let everybody do that, you know, for a fraction of the cost, if not free. Um, and basically just take these amazing world experiences and present them to us in a way that, uh, that feels natural, feels really good, and gives us kind of control over where we want to be in the world or the virtual world. Um, and just, you know, have a device that we're willing to, to wear all day and kind of push the boundaries of what's possible as a human. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Please give us a follow, subscribe, or tip on our socials at ElevatedXR. Thanks and see you next time.